comfort in knowing I'll soon be gone. As God gives me grace, I'm gonna run this race until I see my Savior face to face. Oh, I'm going up I'm going up yonder I'm going up to yonder To be with my Lord Oh, now I'm going up yonder I'm going up yonder I'm going up to yonder to be with my Lord one more time. Oh, now I'm going up to yonder. Yes, I'm going up to yonder. I'm going up yonder to be with my Lord. Now I'm going up to yonder. Yes, I'm going up to yonder I'm going up to yonder to be with my Lord Amen We just want to welcome you to the service this evening. Let's keep that same pace up and in the same key uh, If you would pull up if the same spirit So if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you oh dwell in you and if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you oh dwell in you oh it shall quicken your mortal body if that spirit dwell in you Oh, it shall quicken your mortal body. And if that spirit dwell in you, and if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, oh, dwell in you. And if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, Dwell in you, oh, it shall quicken your mortal body. If that spirit dwell in you, and it shall quicken your mortal body. If that spirit dwell in you, oh, now if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you oh dwell in you and if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead oh dwell in you dwell in you oh it shall quicken your mortal body if that spirit dwell in you and it shall quicken your mortal body 
If that spirit dwell in you, and our Hosanna, oh now blessed be the rock, oh now blessed be the rock of my salvation. Hosanna, oh now blessed be the rock, and blessed be the rock of my salvation. Magnify the Lord with me, for He is worthy to be praised. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, for He is worthy to be praised. Oh, Hosanna, oh, now blessed be the rock. And blessed be the rock of my salvation. Hosanna, oh now blessed be the rock. And blessed be the rock of my salvation. And glory, glory to His name. He lives and reigns forevermore. Oh, now glory, glory to His name. He lives and reigns forevermore. Hosanna, oh, now blessed be the rock. Oh, blessed be the rock of my salvation. Hosanna, oh, blessed be the rock. And blessed be the rock of my salvation. Jehovah Jireh is His name, for He provideth all my needs. Jehovah Jireh is His name, for He provideth all my needs. Oh, Hosanna, oh, now blessed be the rock, oh, blessed be the rock of my salvation. Hosanna, oh, blessed be the rock, and blessed be the rock of my salvation. Hosanna, oh, blessed be the rock. And blessed be the rock of my salvation. Hosanna, oh blessed be the rock. And blessed be the rock of my salvation. Amen. Let's go ahead and change the order of the service. Let's put it in the key of D. And uh, just before we take our prayer request this evening, let's just sing that song, Pleasing. Oh, pleasing, let me be pleasing to you. Let everything that I do
desire this evening, um, but we just want to go ahead and take some of these uh, prayer requests. I just have a couple this evening. I uh, just want to continue to pray for Sister Rosie. She's currently recovering from her surgery that she had, so we just want to remember her in prayer. Uh, also, I have here that uh, Brother Jeff Jackson uh, is not going to be able to be with us this evening due to uh, having to have a medical procedure tomorrow within the next couple of days. So we just want to remember him. Uh, we just want to remember Brother Barry, who is away right now ministering. So we just want to remember them that the Lord will keep them safe. And also, uh, traveling is my dad. If you would just uh, pray for him. He was able to come home from uh, out west, but it was a very quick stop. So uh, just continue to remember him and his travels. And uh, I know we all have unspoken prayer requests, and the Lord knows each of those needs, so just by the lifting of your hand. And if I could, just have Brother Jaron come at this time and pray over these prayer requests. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Let's just take a moment, prepare our hearts take these special needs to the Lord in prayer. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, we just approach your throne of grace and mercy, Lord. Father, we just cry out to you tonight, Lord, for a healing touch, God. Lord, first of all, for our own mind, our own body, and our spirit, Lord, that you would just drive away any unclean thing, Father. Lord, if there be anything among us that would that would just be a hindrance, Father. I pray that you would remove it, Lord, and place it under the blood, Father. Lord, we want to be right with you, Lord. We want to be pleasing to you, Father, as we sing in the song, Lord. And Father, as we come before you, we bear the needs of our church, Lord, our assembly, our families, God, our people that are sick, Father, those that are uh, traveling, Lord. We think of them, Lord, as they're out on the dangerous roads, Lord, people recovering from various illnesses, Father, I think of my Aunt Rosie, Father, and as she's recovering from surgery, I pray that you would just uh, let the surgical procedure be successful, Lord, and that there would be no complication, complications or infections, Father. 
Lord, I pray that you would just touch the brother that also had surgery recently that was mentioned. Lord, I just pray for them that your healing virtue would flow, Father. And Lord, we just we just pray that you would meet the needs of your people tonight as we just cry out to you, God. May your Holy Spirit move among us, Lord, and search our hearts to know us, God. Lord, it's such a, a hectic life in this world, Lord, and everything just constantly pulling and tugging at us downward, Father. Lord, but your spirit ever rising upward, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would just lift us up tonight, Lord. Visit us in a special way, I pray, God. Lord, I know Brother uh, Mike is here tonight, Brother Mike Holloway, and I pray that you would just, Lord, lay upon his heart. I know, I know he's been laboring to, to find your will and, and the channel to, to preach, Lord, your gospel, Father. Lord, as we pull on the gift, Lord, I pray that we would just, each of us, Lord, receive something, Lord, just a touch, a word, Lord, that would just lift us up, Lord, along this life's pathway, Lord. Bless the families, Lord, that are apart. Lord, we commit the remainder of this service to you, Lord, that you would just have your way. Bless the singing, and may our worship be acceptable in your sight. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may have your seats. And I don't have any specials this evening, so we'll just take a few minutes and just sing a few songs before Brother Mike comes this evening. Oh, I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted, you were condemned. And I am alive and well, your spirit is within me because you died and rose again. Amazing love, how can it be that you, my King, would die for me? Amazing love, I know it's true, and it's my joy to honor you. Because you were forsaken And I'm accepted You were condemned And I'm alive and well Your spirit is within me Because you died and rose again an amazing love, how can it be that you, my King, would die for me? Oh, amazing love, I know it's true, and it's my joy to honor you. In all I do, I honor you. Let's try this now. 
Just in simple 
just Him. Oh, one more time. Oh, oh, for grace to trust Him more. Amen. Let's put it in the key of C. If you would just stand with me at this time, and if the ushers would come forward now. We'll go ahead and change the order of our service and uh, welcome Brother Mike this evening. Amen. Brother Chris, if you would. Amen. Just as Brother Mike comes this evening. Jesus, 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 there's just something about that day. He's mastered. Savior Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let all heaven and earth proclaim Kings and kingdoms will all pass away But there's something about that Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name, oh Master, Savior, Like the fragrance after
appreciate the opportunity to be here tonight. Appreciate everybody that's pressed their way out. Thank Brother Barry for giving us the opportunity again to share with you what the Lord has put upon our heart. Our desire is to be a blessing to you this evening. But I won't prolong the time. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to turn me to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4. I really appreciate the song service as always, but really appreciate tonight. It seems to be in tune for what we have on our hearts. So as a minister, it makes me feel good. I believe we're perhaps moving in the right channel for this evening. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14. And before we read, this is about a full word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to come before you and give you thanks. Thank you for your many mercies and grace that you've shown unto us. So many time and time again, Lord, you've made your kindness known to us in so many ways. Lord, I appreciate that song. As we approach the pulpit, you know how much that particular song means to me in my own experience, in my walk with you. So, Lord, tonight I come in your name. Lord, asking your grace upon the service tonight. May it be pleasing in your sight. Lord, may your word go forth and may it accomplish that which you intend for it to do. Lord, I commit the service of these people into your hands. I actually bless the pastor in his absence. Lord, may you be with him about his respective business. Lord, may he continue to be a faithful servant in your hand. Bless this congregation this evening in his absence with your word and with your presence. We ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. 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 Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. It says, Seeing then that we have a, high, a great high priest, not just a high priest, a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Let's bow our heads again. Dear Lord, we thank you for the reading of your word. Lord, we love you. We trust you. We put the service into your hands. Speak to our hearts, mine included. Lord, we ask your grace in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. My title for tonight is Grace to Help. Grace to Help. And we see here in the scripture, we see Paul is painting a picture of who God is in the New Testament church. Not that he was a different God than the Old Testament but he revealed himself in a different manner. The people he was speaking to were primarily Jews, and the people that he was speaking to were well familiar with the Old Testament laws and the customs that went along with those laws. And under the law, they actually knew God as a supreme ruler and a supreme judge. They knew him as a God who gave the law by the mouth of the prophets. And the law was brought judgment, and the law was brought judgment to those who transgressed or were considered offenders of the law. But that dispensation had changed. And Paul actually was a man who was well acquainted with that dispensational change, for Paul caught the revelation of Jehovah of the Old Testament was Jesus of the New. And Paul had a personal experience with this Jehovah, this pillar of fire, when he revealed himself as Jesus Christ in the New Testament. And he also began to reveal to Paul 
how the dispensation had changed. And if you want to see what Paul was looking at, when Paul, I believe, was writing this particular part of Hebrews, if you turn me to the book of St. John, chapter 1, I want to show you how John expressed this dispensational change. In John, chapter 1, verse 15, it says, John bear witness of him as Jesus Christ and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me, and of his fullness have we all received. Verse 17, verse 16, and of his fullness have we all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, now watch this dispensational change, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man has seen God at any time, but the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he had declared him. Now I want you to notice this. Paul was not introducing, or John was not introducing a different God. He said, the one that I'm introducing was before me. It was the same pillar of fire that met Moses upon top of Mount Sinai. But John was introducing him in a different type of ministry. I want you to watch this. He said, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Not that Moses didn't have truth, but Moses had a different dispensation. And the way that the people approached God, the way that they worshiped God, was different under bulls and goats. That was never God's provided way or never his intended way. But God's intended way was the man to have a direct relationship with God himself. And that could not be accomplished under bulls and goats. So you follow me. So now I want you to watch what the scripture says. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten son, which was in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. So how did Jesus Christ declare God? How was God revealed in this man? God was not seen as a lawgiver in Christ. God was not seen as a judge in Christ. But God was revealing a different covenant. And it was a supreme grace to every believer. Listen, this covenant was supreme grace to every believer that could receive it. And I want you to watch this. And the only way to see it was by faith. And that faith had to come to a man by grace. Now look how the Jews mainly looked upon this concept. I want you to see this of the Old Testament judgment. And the book of St. Luke, chapter 9, gives us an illustration of the mindset of how the Jews perceived God and how the Jews perceived when a person, listen now, was an offender or a transgressor. I want you to see what was embedded in the mind of the Jews. Because when Paul was writing the book of Hebrews, he was primarily writing the Jews. That's why it's called Hebrews, because he was talking not to the Gentiles. He was talking to the Hebrew people who were having trouble coming over into this new dispensation. Now, I want you to watch how they say it. If you go to Luke chapter 9, verse 51, I want you to watch this illustration of how the Jews perceived God and how how the Jews perceived when a man was in transgression. St. Luke chapter 9, verse 51 says, And it came to pass... When the time was come that he should receive, be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go toward Jerusalem. Christ had come down off of Mount Sinai, and God had told him that the time of his offer was at hand. And when Christ came off of Mount Sinai, not Mount Sinai, excuse me, but upon Mount, uh, 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 Mount Transfiguration, when he came off of Mount Transfiguration, he knew that the end of his ministry was coming to hand, and he was going to Calvary. And the Bible says, watch this, his faith was set steadfastly turned toward this next event. And so when he came out of his mountain and he was going to this certain city, the people perceived that when he came to the city, it wasn't as if he was really focused upon the people. They could tell this man had something heavy that was weighing upon him. Now watch what the Bible says. And he sent messages before his face, and they went and entered into a village of Samaritans to make ready for him, and they did not receive him. Now watch these Samaritans. 
They did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, listen, and when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou we command fire come down from heaven and consume them even as Elias did? Because why? When they recognized the word being rejected, what was the first thing they thought about? In the Old Testament, when people rejected the word, what followed that rejection? Judgment came down. And when Elijah's ministry was being rejected, what did God do? God brought judgment down. So now now they're under this concept of the Old Testament prophets and the Old Testament law. And how do they see God? When God was rejected, when a man was in trouble, what was it? Because he had rejected the word, judgment came down, just like it did in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve sinned, what happened? There was a judgment met because of their transgressions. Are you following me? Now, I want you to see the mindset of these people. Watch verse 55. But he turned and rebuked them and said, Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. They were actually operating under the anointing of the prophets, but Jesus Christ came under a different dispensation. Dispensations were changing. Yes, he was a prophet. Yes, he was a son of man, but he was not coming as a lawgiver to bring judgment, but he was coming as a son of God to bring grace. Now, I want you to see this. Verse 56. For the Son of Man come not to destroy man's life, I want you to watch this, but to save them, and they went to another village. Jesus Christ was trying to show them the purpose of his coming. His coming was not to condemn man, but his coming was to save man. Now, I want you to watch this. The Jews often looked to one side of God, and it's the same side that we saw illustrated here. They saw this God of the lawgiver, the God of judgment. They saw the God of Mount Sinai. Now, I want to give you another illustration. Let's go back to the Old Testament, and let's look at this God. When this God first introduced himself to the people, I want you to see what the people saw. I want you to see how God introduced himself, and then you'll understand why the Jews had this concept of this lawgiver and this judge. I want you to watch this. Exodus chapter 19, verse 9. And the Lord said unto Moses, now this is a long reading, so don't go to sleep on me. <laughs> this Exodus 19 is a, is a bit of a long reading. But I want you to get the picture of how they saw this Jehovah. Exodus 19, verse 9. And the Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with thee, and believe thee forever. God wanted to vindicate his prophet. Not that he had already had been vindicated, but God wanted to be presently seen with Moses. Now I want you to watch this. And Moses told the words of the people unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes, and be ready against the third day. For the third day the Lord will come down in the, in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. This is when the people are going to get to see this, this God that Moses had been, been fellowshipping with. The one that Moses had to hide but the veil of his face because the anointing was so great upon his flesh. They're about to see for the first time this God with their own eyes. They're about to hear his voice this, for the first time for themselves. They're not going to hear him through the lips of Moses. They're going to meet this God for themselves. And I want you to watch this introduction. I want you to watch this. And thou shalt set bounds unto the people around about, saying, Take heed to yourselves that ye go not up to the mountain to touch the border of it. Whosoever touches the mountain shall be surely put to death. Not only could they not go up into the top of the mountain to his presence, but they couldn't even touch the border of the mountain. Are you following me? This is their introduction to Jehovah. There should not be a hand touch it, but he shall surely be stoned or, st or shot through. Whether it be beast or man, it shall not live. When the trumpet soundeth long, they shall come up to the mount. And Moses went down from the mount unto the people and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. And he said unto the people, Be ready against the third day and come not against your wives. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that when the thunder and the lightnings and the thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet 
exceedingly loud so that all the people that were in the camp trembled. I want you to picture what was in their mind as this dark cloud starts to descend down upon this mountain. And all of a sudden they start seeing thunders and lightnings in this, in this dark tempest. This was not the introduction that they were expecting. But who was this? This was their God. This was the one that brought them out of Egypt. They're seeing their God firsthand now. But I want you to watch this. So that all the people that was in the camp trembled, and Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the neither part of the mount, and the Mount Sinai was altogether a smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire, and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount quaked exceedingly. It wasn't just a, st- a sound of thunder. It wasn't just the appearance of lightning. It wasn't just dark clouds of smoke and fire, but there was even a, 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 a trembling like an earthquake that was actually trembling as the presence of this God is descending down. And can you imagine what the people were thinking? Oh my, who is this being that we call God? But I want you to watch this. And he said, and Moses spake with, with God, and God answered him by a voice. And the Lord said, come down on, upon Mount Sinai and the top of the mount. And the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mount, and Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, go down and charge the people, lest they break through unto the, unto the Lord to gaze, and many of them perish. And let the priests also which come near to the Lord sanctify themselves, lest the Lord break forth upon them. So even the priests who had set aside their lives to serve this God, even they were actually to be afraid of the potential harm if they approached this thing the wrong way. Now, I want you to watch this. And Moses said unto the Lord, the people cannot come up to the Mount Sinai, for thou charges us, saying, set bounds about the mount and sanctify it. And the Lord said unto him, away with thee down and go thou. Go thou in Shubian, and thou shalt come up, thou and Aaron with thee. But let not the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break forth upon them. So Moses went down unto the people and spake unto them. This was the introduction of Jehovah to the people in the Old Testament. So you can see what kind of mentality they had of their God. So when Jesus Christ came with a different dispensation, you can see why Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. He was trying to get them to see this God that you once worshipped, the God that your fathers told you about. That God has come and revealed himself, not under that covenant in which came down on my side. This is not the lawgiver that Moses preached about. This is actually a different covenant. It's a dispensation of grace. Now, I want you to keep going with this. This was their revelation. Mount Sinai vision was the revelation of the Jews. But the same God who was the word had two sides. He was a lawgiver and a judge, but he's also, listen, a God of grace and a savior. The same one that was showing himself as a judge was the same one that brought them out of Egypt. It wasn't a different God. It was the same God. But the picture they had in their mind, they had this picture welded in of this God who was a fearful being and who was a judge. The same way he judged Egypt was the same way he judged the transgressor. Are you following me? So that was what they had in mind. So Paul was trying to introduce a different dispensation, not to see God as this great judge, but he was trying to introduce them to a throne that was a throne called grace. Let me keep on going. And what you see, listen, what you see of him, your revelation of this God will depend or decide upon how you approach him. It will decide on how you see your relationship. If you see him only as Mount Sinai, that's how you're going to approach him. But if you can see him as Mount Calvary, then that's how you'll approach him. 
And too often people get these two mixed up. They can't distinguish between Mount Sinai and Mount Calvary. And too many people try to bring them together and bridge them, and they won't mix. They're like oil and water. Those covenants will not mix. You can't have the law and grace at the same time. you got to come out of one in order to fully receive the other. Are you following me? Now, I want you to watch this. There's a difference, but people often can't discern it. They enter into this covenant called grace, but they bring with them a portion of Mount Sinai. They bring with them a portion of the law. They bring with them a portion of the Old Testament. They can't seem to let that go. Even in the New Testament, not just the Hebrews now. I find this even around the message, the Christian churches. We find that people still had this way of bringing some of that Old Testament baggage with them under this great message of grace that come down in the last days as a headstone crying, what? Grace, grace unto it. We're sitting under this great dispensational grace of God, but people have a hard time letting go of that law. I want you to watch this. These New Testament believers, Paul was talking to people who had professed Jesus Christ for he said in the scripture, hold fast your profession. He wasn't talking to the the Jews that were still under the law of Moses. He wasn't talking to the average sinner on the street. He was talking to a people that had accepted the name of Jesus Christ, but yet they were having a hard time separating these two covenants. Now watch this. But they staggered at the thought of letting go of the law. For the law was all they had ever known for a long, long time. And they still approached this God of grace in the New Testament as if they were still approaching Mount Sinai. There was a certain fear in their heart. What if I mess up? What if I fail? What if I don't get it right? Will I end up thrust through? Will I end up like those in the Old Testament? Or will I still be accepted? They had a hard time knowing how do I approach this great God? Now I want you to watch this. Now I want you to catch this point. We may not be Jews, but there's still many in our ranks that see God upon Mount Sinai. And I want to introduce you to a different God tonight. Not a different God. Let me change that language. I want to make sure that we see him in the right way under this New Testament grace. Let me put it that way. Who will still approach God, many will still approach God with that same uncertainty, with that same fear. Why? Not that they're not saved. Paul was not talking when he made this statement. He was not preaching to sinners. He was not talking to people that did not know Christ. Listen, and it wasn't that some of them were not even born again. Some of them had a genuine Holy Ghost. You say, Brother Mike, how can a man have a genuine Holy Ghost and not know the throne of grace? Let me give you an example. Brother Branham met a sister one time. Her name was Sister Bruce. And God allowed that private interview to come on for a reason because I believe God wanted the testimony of a born-again believer to show you how a born-again believer could still have certain struggles and yet be born again. Let me read a testimony to you for a minute. This is a little bit of Sister Bruce's testimony, if you don't mind. This is one of the private interview Brother Branham had with her. And I'm going to pick up in the middle of the interview. Brother Branham said, you are in nature. He said, God works and Satan works. And when Satan tries to make you believe that you're not, see, Sister Bruce was struggling whether or not she had a genuine Christian testimony. She was questioning whether or not she had the genuine Holy Ghost. She was questioning after the years of walking with Christ, did she really have the goods that she had been testifying she had? She was struggling this. I want you to see something. When Paul said, I want to show you a God that can help in your time of need, he wasn't talking about just a sinner. He was talking about believers. We have times where we get into struggles and we don't know whether we're going left or right. But when you get in those situations, you need to know that there's a throne of grace that's rolled out just for you. 
God is not wanting you to come to Mount Sinai. God is wanting you to come to Mount Calvary. And at Mount Calvary, not only do you find grace, but I love this. You shall find mercy. What does mercy come? Grace says I can help a man in his help. But mercy said the man that's in trouble because of his own transgressions, that man can also find help at this throne. Now, I want you to watch Sister Bruce. God works and Satan works. And when Satan tries to make you believe that you're not, see, you keep building this and maybe this and this and this. See, don't look at yourself, Sister Bruce. You see, Satan tries to be a master at getting us to look at the wrong thing. Instead of looking at the right evidence, instead of looking at the word, which is only true witness, only true evidence, Satan will try to turn our minds from the word and he'll try to turn you to anything to get you to doubt the word that God has given you. And so what he'll try to do, Brother Bam said, he'll try to get the man not to look at Christ, but to look at himself. And the moment you look at yourself, that's the moment you're going to stumble. Because guess what? If when I look at Michael Holloway, I see too many faults. When I look at Michael Holloway, I see too many mistakes. And Brother Brown had the same confession. He said, there's one man that gets in my way. He said, it's not the man on the street. He said, but Bill Branham is my biggest enemy. Why? Because we carry a dead man with us. But I want you to watch this. He said, don't look at yourself, Sister Bruce. Remember, I'm fixing to pray for you. Now watch this confession. I'm not worthy to do that. I think, what would I do if Jesus Christ was sitting here right now? What would he do if he was sitting here? He lay hands upon you, and with his great faith, see, you get well. Well, I think, well, I'm a sinner. Brother Bam said, I'm not. But I come, listen, I come to represent him. But remember, me being a sinner and before God, I'm not a sinner, and neither are you. We got the blood sacrifice laying there. God don't even see us. He hears our voice but he sees the blood of Jesus Christ. That's it, see? He sees the blood of his own son. It's our voice, but Christ's blood. And it's Christ that's, making, uh, that's talking through us to God. So therefore, we're not sinners no more. We're Christians. And I believe, to be a, I believe you to be a genuine Christian woman. Sister Bruce says, but I make so many mistakes, and I fail so many times. You see her struggle. She keeps coming back to herself. But Brother Branham is trying to get her to understand what the real sacrifice was all about, what real Jesus Christ is all about. It's not the law of the Old Testament where God is even looking at your works. In this New Testament, God has provided a sacrifice, and he's only, listen, church, he's only looking at your faith in that sacrifice. Now, I want you to watch this. That's why Christ had to die, so that you, listen, with your mistakes, wouldn't even be lauded to you. I want to read that again. So that you, with your mistakes, wouldn't even be lauded to you, see? He took your mistakes. Your desire is in your heart to serve him. Sister Bruce says, yes. He says, all right. That's what he died for, so that you could serve him, see? Your mistakes are not looked, not lauded to you, see? He is your propitiation, see? He is your offspring. I mean, he's your sin offering. Your sins are not known. You're, you're, you're not a sinner before God. Christ took your sins and became you because your desire is to serve him. So her struggle was what? She was having trouble with this law, whether or not she was worthy in her own right. She was just like those Hebrews trying to figure out exactly how much of the law do I keep? How much of grace do I take? And Brother Brown is saying, if you catch the right revelation, listen, church, the grace of God ended the law completely. Now, let me get back to my message. So God once spoke to the prophets. He revealed the fullness of his grace through his son. How? By revealing himself to the church. Listen, 
as a priest. The Jews knew the lawgivers. They knew the prophets and the judgments. They knew the God of judgment that had come in, and when a man was in sin and a man transgressed the law, and when a man did something against God, they knew how quickly judgment could follow that. That's why John said, do we call from fire from heaven? But watch this. Christ didn't come just to be a prophet. Christ came to reveal himself not as the lawgiver, but as a priest. A priest is a different dispensation. It's a different characteristic than the prophets. His role was not to condemn the person. Listen. The prophets would condemn a man for their transgression, but the priest was to stand on intercession for the man in transgression. Can you see the big difference? The prophet would judge a man for his mistakes. The priest was to stand there and intercede for the man because of his mistakes. When you come to a priest, you don't come to a priest because you've done right. You come bring your sacrifice because you know in your heart you've done wrong. And so Paul is introducing his throne of grace, and he said it's the throne that you come to, not just when everything's going good, but when you messed up and you know things ain't going right, that's the time to seek this throne of grace. It's a different dispensation altogether than the law. Now, let me keep going. This role, listen, was not to condemn the person for his sins, but to intercede for the guilty that are seeking forgiveness. Their heart's troubling them. They're seeking forgiveness for their sins. The priest was an advocate between God and man so that man might have an avenue to find help in his time of trouble from the only one that could help him, and that was his creator himself. Now, I want you to watch this. And not just help him, but help him in his time of need. For it was the sins of man that, listen, put us in this situation to begin with. You remember when Abraham was down in Egypt? And when God had called him out and said, God said, I'm going to give you a son and your son's going to bring forth this mighty nation and that they're going to be, they're going to be like the stars of heaven. And the Bible said, Abraham looked and believed. And no sooner than God calls him out and says, separate yourself from that civilization. Separate yourself from the sinners. What does Abraham do? There's a couple of chapters later. He turned right back around and go back down to the civilization. He doesn't go to Ur, but he goes down to Egypt, which is just as bad. A city full of idolaters. And what does God do? Does God say, I can't trust Abraham. I'm going to get rid of the man. No. Grace comes down and bring the man out that put himself in that condition when abraham got in that city and i could imagine how he felt when that king come took his wife and brought her into his palace and here's abraham outside of that great building and he's looking at the windows and saying what's going on with my wife i wonder if that's the room she's in i wonder if that's the room she's in he has no idea of knowing what's going on but could you imagine how that man's heart felt for his wife and to know he was the one that put her in that condition and he knew when he came to the city, there was a possibility because as they approached the city, he told her, he said, honey, I want you to tell the people, you're not my wife, you're my sister, because when they see how beautiful you are, they might want to kill me just to have you to themselves. Abraham knew the risk and he put his wife in that kind of condition. And what was it? He needed help. But did he, did he merit it? Did he deserve it? Did he not know what he was potentially getting himself into? But I'm trying to show you how God's grace works to his covenant people. Before Abraham went in that city, he already had a covenant. God told him he was going to have a son. Are you following me? So God is not just protecting Abraham now. Listen, he's protecting the promise that goes with Abraham. 
You have to see yourself as a people. You're not just here by chance. You're not just in this message by chance. You have to have the revelation in your heart. I'm in this message for one reason. There was some part of me that was with God before the foundation of the world. And when that part of me heard the word of God, something in me believed it. And it identified me with a different covenant. Not this flesh and blood I was born in, but inside of me, there's a different life. And God is not looking at your flesh, but he's guarding that life. And he's inviting that life when you get in trouble, even when you're the one that caused the trouble. Listen, there's grace to help in your time of need. Now, I want you to watch this. So grace brings this out. Now, I want you to watch this. It's a big contrast between the God of judgment and this God of grace. That change in dispensation staggers a lot of people, yet what was clearly made manifest in Jesus Christ. And some, even at his first coming, began to see the change, listen, even before Calvary. We're looking back at Calvary talking about this change in dispensation. But I want to point something out. There were some people that had faith to recognize something was different in this prophet's ministry. He's a prophet. Yes, he's a son of man. But there's something different than Moses. There's something different than Elijah. There's something different than the Old Testament prophets. There's something different about this man. Why? His ministry wasn't a lawgiver. His ministry was grace. Now, I want you to watch this. They found freedom from what they had done. By simply recognizing who he was and, listen, what he had to offer them. They came to him not because they were worthy. They came to him because they needed help. How many remember when he met the woman at the well? She was in a bad condition. Brother Bam said, why was she there at noontime? Why wasn't she there in the morning like the rest of the women? He said, because why? She was living a life of transgression. She was out of the covenant with the Jews. She couldn't go down to the temple because of her lifestyle. She couldn't even fellowship with the believing women. She had to come at noontime. Why? She was in a mad shape. But yet, who came to her? I want you to see something now. She didn't come to him. Who came to her? Jesus came to her. Why? He wanted to reveal this dispensation. His disciples didn't understand it because if they'd have been there, Brother Mal said, he had to send them away because when he wanted to meet that woman, they would not understand. Lord, why do you want a fellowship with a prostitute? His disciples couldn't understand. So he said, I got to get them out of the picture. I need to deal with this woman alone because there's a, there's a seed of God down in Samaria that's got an elected seed in her, Brother Bam said. She had the representation. And that's what God was coming for. He wasn't coming because of a false. He was coming after his representation. And so he came to this woman. And he said, woman, give me the drink. And you know the story. And she began to talk and she said, you had no dealings with me. She thought maybe perhaps he was just another man wanting a night out. And that wasn't what he was after all. He was after her soul. And when he began to talk to her and she began to catch her spirit, he began to say things to her that changed her mind. And she recognized, thou art prophet. But when he recognized to her what his mission was, that he was more than a prophet, she said, but when the Messiah come, he said, that's why I'm here. Because I want to reveal to you, I am he. She dropped her water pots. Why? She saw something. She didn't see a prophet that was going to condemn her for her sins. She saw a prophet that wanted to reveal God in flesh to her. And what did it do? It changed her life. She dropped the water pots, ran in the city, and said, come see a man who told me all things. What was it? She became one of the biggest witnesses Jesus had. Why? The Bible said the whole city come out to see her testimony. I'm trying to show you how this dispensation changes. Then there's another woman. Now, remember, the woman types what? The church. Here comes another woman. She's caught in act of adultery. And so they think, oh, surely if this man really be a prophet, the prophet's going to stone her because they're lawgivers. 
So they're bringing him to Christ to see whether he's a prophet or not. They said, we've caught the woman in the act of adultery, and here's the stones, and we're going to stone her. What do you say about it? And he stops down, stoops down to the ground and starts writing. We don't know what he wrote, but he wrote something that was pretty powerful with his fingers in that, in that ground. And when the men began to see what he wrote, every one of the men realized something. We're just as guilty before God as this woman is. What was Christ doing? Christ was showing mercy because under the law, guess what she deserved? Under the law, guess what she deserved? She deserved to be stoned. And when Christ found grace to forgive this woman, and how did he do it? He took the very law that says you can only be stoned if there's two or three witnesses. And when he got rid of all the witnesses... Now, by the same law that condemned her, he can take the same law and say, Thou forgiven. Why? There's no reason. Where are thy witnesses? She said, Sir, I have none. He said, I, I condemn not you either. Go away and sin no more. She found grace in this man that was considered a prophet. And then there was another woman who was in the same condition. And she had a, 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 a bunch of money she had saved up. And she found out that they was going to have a feast and that Christ was at this feast. And she looked through the gate and she saw him sitting in the corner and nobody paying no attention. And she went to her little house. She got a bit of money, bought an alabaster box, and she went right back to the house, busted in the door. Because remember, she didn't belong with these men. She was an ill-famed woman. But she didn't care. She knew one thing. There was a place for help. In my time of need. How did she know this? I bet you there's no doubt. She probably heard about the woman at the well. She probably heard about the woman that got away from being stoned. She was hearing about women like herself that had met the same Jesus. And she said, if I could ever meet him, I wonder if I could get forgiveness for my sins. I messed my life up. I the one made the mistakes. And instead of running thinking she's going to be stoned, she's trying to find the man to tell her, I'm sorry for what I've done. And when she saw him in that little dinner, that little feast that Simon was having that he invited Jesus to be entertainment. Not that Simon could find forgiveness for his sin. He just wanted entertainment. But when this woman came, she wasn't looking for entertainment. She wanted to tell him how sorry she was. And when she got inside that door, she burst his feet, opened that box, started weeping and washing his feet with her tears. And then she took that little alabaster ointment out and began to pour it upon him. And Jesus Looked around the people that said, if this man was really a prophet, he'd know what man or woman this was. We can look at, they weren't prophets. They could look at her and tell what she was. Jesus knew exactly who she was. But she had approached the throne the right way. Listen, she had approached the throne the right way. How do you approach the throne? Boldly. She bursted up in the house and she came down and she went straight to the man's feet. She came boldly. Boldly why? Knowing, listen, that he was the one that had the help she needed for her condition. This word boldly doesn't mean arrogance. It means coming with confidence. This woman came with confidence that this man could help her in her situation. And she come confidently before Christ and begin to cry and kiss his feet. No doubt probably saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I never wanted to be like this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They're probably bawling out. Just, I'm sorry. And that's all Christ is hearing. Her repenting one after the other. And what was he going to do? He said, woman, he said, thy sins be forgiven thee. Go thy way and sin no more. And what was it? He was demonstrating this new covenant even before the blood had been given. He was a man that had power to forgive sins. Priests don't have power to forgive sins. They can intercede, but they cannot forgive. But this high priest had power. He can forgive sins. 
And that's the throne you and I are being invited to. Don't let Satan pay in your mind and say, oh, I've done this. And oh, I've done that. And I've been in the message so many years. And I still ain't got this right. Don't let Satan play on your mind. You've been given the throne if you can receive it. Now, I want you to watch this. It's a throne of mercy. Mercy is for the ones who know in their heart they committed offense. Every one of them women knew in their heart they had committed offense against the law, but yet they found grace in this man. Watch what mercy means. Mercy means this. It means compassion shown, especially to an offender or to one subject to another one's power. When a man comes before God, we all know we're subject to his power. Whatever he says in his word, he stands by it, and we have no other court of appeal. But we know that we can come to that God, listen, to somebody who can show mercy to the offender, which means that's the man that's committed to transgression. Listen, it also means compassionate treatment to those in distress. When a person is in a difficult position and can't have, help get themselves out, Mercy comes and says, I'll take care of that for you. All of us are born in sin, shaped in iniquity. The Bible says, come in the world speaking lies. We were, the Bible says, we're without hope, without Christ in the world. But someone came to us. He didn't call you because he wants to condemn you. He calls you because he had one motion, one motive. I came to save that which was lost. He said, Brother Mike, well, how do I know that's me? Just check your heart. I'm going to make this real easy for you tonight. Just check your heart. Is there something in your heart hungering to be closer to God? Is there something in your heart hungering? Lord, I wish I could serve you better than I'm serving you now. Brother Brown said, if I had one wish in my life, I wish I could serve him better. That's the prophet said, if I had one wish, I wish I could serve him better. And that's the way I feel tonight. If I had one wish, Lord, I wish I was a better preacher. I wish I was a better husband. I wish I was a better worker. I wish I had a better testimony of Jesus Christ. But because I got that hunger, where did I get it from? I wasn't born with it. He gave it to me. So if you've got that tonight, this throne is talking to you. There's a place at this altar, not just this altar right on preaching that, but this throne altar. There's a place at that altar for you. And Satan will have us come to church with our head down and leave out with our head down. And yet right in front of us, listen, service after service, there's an altar of grace. If we can recognize it. Let me keep going. One concern about stress, things that burden you. Look at how Paul put this. Seeing then that we have a great high priest. Now see this dispensational change. He's not talking about the lawgiver now. He's trying to get the Jews to see God didn't come down as a lawgiver like Mount Sinai. Jesus Christ was God himself coming down as a man of grace. Brother Brown said, I used to think that Jehovah hated me and Jesus Christ loved me until I caught the revelation they were the same person. What was revealed in Jesus Christ? God's love to us was revealed in that flesh. When God took my sins, not another man, God became man that he might take my sins. Why? That I might have the right to approach this throne. Now watch this. 
We have a high priest that is passing to the heavens. See, the Old Testament high priest, when they died, they went to the grave. This high priest was different. When he passed, he didn't go to a grave and stayed there. He come out of the grave and went what? Went to heaven to intercede with God in the presence of God for every one of us that's here right now. Now watch this. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly, watch this, at this throne of grace, that we might obtain mercy. He's talking to the offender. He's talking to the person that has problems, because that's the one that needs mercy. That we may obtain mercy to find grace to help in a time of need. Grace may deliver me from another man's doings or another man's hands. But mercy is what I need when I'm the one that's in the wrong. Mercy, the last definition. Holy in the power of, with no way to protect oneself against it. Either we make it right or we don't make it right. There's not a way around it. And what God is saying tonight is, you don't have to go this alone. If there's something in your heart that's seeking more Christ, if there's something in your heart that's seeking more God, there's a throne to help you attain to that hunger that you're experiencing. Now, I want you to watch this. We were in sin with no way out. We were born doomed. And religion provided nothing for us but a covering. But God is saying to every man who Satan is holding guilt over their head, there is a throne of mercy. Now, I want you to notice this. This is a big change from the Old Testament, not just a change in the Old Testament from the law of grace, but there was also a change in the priesthood. See, the Jews understood the high priest. The Jews understood that when you say high priest, oh, this is the man that offers blood for me. This is the man that intercedes with him. Paul was, he was trying to get them to understand the power of grace, but he's trying to show them that this priesthood, listen, is not like Aaron. This is not the ironic priesthood that you know yes you know priesthood but you knew the priesthood under moses this is a different priesthood well what's so different about it brother mike the bible said that this high priest is going into the heavens and he's invited you to approach his throne aaron never had a throne high priests don't have thrones they have altars they don't have thrones this high priest was a different kind of high priest he not only could offer blood for your sins, but he had a throne of authority, which meant he was also a king. A king cannot, uh, uh, a king that's a priest. There's only one man in the Old Testament that was identified as a king and a priest, and that man's name was Melchizedek. He was rightly both king and priest. So you follow me? And this Melchizedek was a forerunner or, or prefigure of Jesus Christ. And what Paul was trying to show them, that Jesus Christ was a New Testament dispensation. Because under the New Testament, no high priest came from the tribe of Judah. But this man Christ didn't come from the Levites. He came from the tribe of Judah, showing there was a complete break from what you knew about the law of the Old Testament. This man can not only give you a cover for your sin, but he has the authority to say, I forgive you of your sins. That was one of the first things he did that the Jews said was blasphemy. Some men come to a house where he was having a meeting, and there were so many people outside you couldn't get in the house. And so the men went in the roof and broke a hole in the roof and let the man down in the cart. And Jesus Christ knew how those people were and to show the authority that this man had, not just to heal the sick, but to actually have authority to pronounce forgiveness of sins. He said, that sins be forgiven them. The man never said, I wanted my sins forgiven. He said, I wanted to be healed. But to show that the Son of Man had power to forgive sins, he said, that sins be forgiven thee. 
This man, if you approach him right, he's not looking to condemn you. If he did, he'd be defeating his own purpose for coming. He's not looking to hold you guilty for what you've done, if you're willing to repent. Let me make sure I get that straight. He's not looking to wash away something and just throw it on the rug. He's looking to do, complete it, do away with it, but there's a requirement. There's got to be a pity heart that comes in like that woman in tears and says, Lord, I'm sorry. I just need your help. And if you come with that kind of attitude, guess what? There's help in this situation. If we bring it by the word. So he wasn't a, a priesthood like Aaron. He was a Melchizedek priesthood. A man that had power as a king to forgive sins. Now I'm going to read you a couple of Scriptures and maybe a quote, and I'm going to let you go. I want you to look at Esther in Old Testament. Esther, Esther chapter 4, verse 11. We're familiar with Esther. Esther was the Hebrew woman, the Jew, that married the Gentile king. I think his name was Artaxerxes. Uh, I'm, I'm not pronouncing that right, but you know who I'm talking about. He was a, he was a, 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 a Median Persian king. And he was in a time when Israel was cast out of the promised land before they came back under the, under, 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 uh, after the prophecy of Jeremiah. And uh, this, is, this is before they came back in the rebuilding of the temple. And here's Esther. She was given to a bride to this king. And there was a man named Haman. Haman was jealous of Mordecai because Mordecai had received this position of honor from the king. And because this man was a Hebrew, he would not worship anything but God. And when Haman wanted men to bow before him, Mordecai would not do it. And it made Haman mad. Haman was so mad, he didn't want to just kill Mordecai. When he found out he was a Hebrew, he said, I want all of his people killed and their property given to another. And guess who was a Hebrew? The king's wife. And so Esther starts talking with Mordecai. Or Mordecai starts communicating with Esther. I know you're in the palace, but in case you hadn't seen the headline news, there's a proclamation of land in three days, or so many days, how many it was. They're going to kill all the Jews from this, from this province to that province. And don't think because you're in the king's palace you're going to escape. Esther, it's in your hands what you're going to do. And this is where it picks up in Esther chapter 4, verse 11. And the king's servants and the people of the king's providence do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king and to the inner court who is not called. So Mordecai wants Esther to go into the king, but the king was actually in a period of time where he was on his throne. And when he's on the throne, he only sees people by invitation. And guess who wasn't invited? Esther. But guess who had a need? Esther. And guess where the only place she could find help? Throne. But she has no invitation now watch what the law says who is not called there is there is one law of his to put him to death except to whom the king shall hold out his golden scepter or scepter if a man was had enough guts enough boldness to approach his throne without an invitation the bible says that that man was ordered to be put to death except the king stops the assassination how does he stop it? He holds out his scepter. That shows that the person is welcomed. Now watch this. 
Esther's communing all against the Mordecai, just in case Mordecai is not familiar with the customs because she's in the palace. She knows his customs too well. So she's telling Mordecai, Mordecai, I just can't run in and see the king. It don't work like that. Now watch this. That he may live, but if not, listen, been called to come into the king, these, but I have not been called to come into the king these 30 days. Yes, you want me to go, but this is the order, and I do not have an invitation to approach the king. Now watch this. Chapter 4, I'm going to back up a little bit now. Then Esther bade them return to Mordecai as answer. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast ye for me. And neither eat ye nor drink these three days, listen, night or day. Also, and my maidens will fast likewise, those that are with me in the palace. And so will I go unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, let me perish. You see, she's like Mount Sinai. She doesn't know if I go to this mountain, if I'm going to live or die. She doesn't know if I go to this throne, is he going to accept me or is he not? She doesn't know. She knows she's got a need. She knows the throne is the only place she can go. But guess what? She's got no invitation. What are you saying, Brother Holloway? That's not you tonight. That's not me tonight. When I get myself in a predicament, even if it's at my own hands that I'm in the predicament, the Bible tells me, If you're sorry for what you've done, come before the throne. Because what are you going to find? The scepter has already been extended. I'm not coming wondering whether he received me. I'm coming boldly because he told me if I come in faith, he's already received me. Let me keep reading. Esther chapter 5, verse 2. And it was so that when Esther, when the king saw Esther the queen standing in the court that she obtained favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. I love this. When he recognized that silhouette, he said, I remember that from the first time I saw her. When she was presented to me that day and I was choosing my new bride and I saw her walk in, I remembered that woman. And no doubt at the end of that aisle, all he saw was a silhouette. And when he saw who it was, I bet those men, probably each one of them drew back with their swords and each one drew back with their spears and they were getting ready because why? She didn't belong here. She didn't have an invitation. And every one of them got in their position. And they did one thing and they looked at the king. Shall we thrust her? And the king lifted up the scepter and says, And every one of the men draw back. Why? The king said, bring her forth. You understand how the angels are? When you come before this throne, they're encamping about you. You got protection. They're not there to harm you. They're there to help you. Because the very one that's going to carry it out when the king gives a decree to help that one, he's going to send an angel, help this one, help that one, help this one, help that one. Why? He's not trying to judge you. He's here to help you. But there's in the New Testament, we still got this idea of law. I'm not worthy. I said, like Brother Branham say, when you find a man that is worthy, come tell me. I'd like to be like that. I'd like to be like that one day. As long as I'm in this body, I'm going to have sin. Not here, now, not unbelief, but the motions. Because of this, this flesh and blood you battle with. John said, the man that says he has no sins, he said, don't listen to that man. But then John come back another later in the same book and says, but the man is born again has no sins. So he's obviously talking about two different men. 
Paul said, woe, wretched man that I am. He wasn't talking about this man. He was talking about this man. Are you following me? This man gets all of us in trouble. But this man has been invited. Listen to me, church. This man has been invited. If you can recognize your invitation. You see what I'm getting at? Because there's only two ways we can approach God. You're either going to approach him by Mount Sinai or you're going to approach him by Calvary. You can't have both. Too many people are afraid because they only see that thunder and lightning. But if we can ever get a clear-cut revelation of what Calvary meant for you. Listen, when Jesus said it was finished, he literally meant it was finished. He said, Brother Mike, I wasn't even born yet. It didn't matter. You know what Brother Bram said? When Jesus Christ went to Calvary, he said every elect seed attribute was in that body right then. When he paid for my sins on Calvary, I was right there in him. When he rose again, I was right there in him. When God accepted him, right then, God accepted me. That's why he's come with the gospel, because he's promised the Father, I'll not lose one. This throne is to make sure you get back home. But you got to know that throne's for you. Let me keep going. I'm going to say this and I'm going to try to bring this to a close. See, people get caught between these two laws. Mount Sinai and Mount Calvary. I believe many times people are saved and they come to Mount Calvary. But Satan still wants to bring a little bit of Mount Sinai along with him. And I'm trying to cut that umbilical cord. You understand what I'm saying tonight? I'm trying to give a clean cut to that umbilical cord. Let Mount Sinai go and you march forward to Calvary. Let me show you what Calvary means. Brother Bram says in the message, God provided a place of worship. He says, Deuteronomy, being a Greek word, meaning two laws. The word Deuteronomy, God has two laws. One of them is the law of death to disobedient to the word. And we find that when Eve disobeyed his word, it brought death. That's one of his laws. The day you eat thereof, the day you die. And then he has another law. That's the law of life to obedience. If you don't listen, if you don't do such a thing, why, by, by keeping his word, you'll live. Boils down to two things to my way of thinking. That's either keeping his word or disobeying his word. So the word is not the thing that's changing. Under that covenant called Deuteronomy is how you approach that word. Disobeying means one thing. To keep it means another. But he said it's a book of two laws because what happens to you depends upon how you come to that word and what you do when you receive it. That's on your shoulders. But I want you to see something here. I want you to watch this. The New Testament is different. You see, under the Old Testament, you were judged by what you did. In the New Testament, you're judged by what he did. You see why I approach this throne with such boldness? I'm not coming to the throne because of what I've done. I'm coming to the throne because of what he's done. And you have to have that as a clear cut revelation. I could say that all day long and some of us still say, but I wonder. But is it really that you see, there's a question. You've got to settle that question at Calvary. Was it really finished 
or do I have some part I need to add to it to complete the work? You see the difference? Let me keep going. Brother Brown said one of these laws was Mount Sinai. The other was, and that was the law of death. The other was given at Mount Calvary where the law of life was given through Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. He also has two covenants. He has a covenant with Adam. Listen now, I'm going to say that. I want you to catch this. A covenant with Adam, the first man on earth, that covenant was on conditions. If you do so-and-so, I'll do so-and-so. Adam would have had something to do in order to keep his covenant alive before God. Adam's own works was included as part of the covenant. Watch this. He had to walk in God's ways, keep all of his word, not breaking one word. But when he made another covenant, and that was with Abraham, this covenant was not on conditions, but was unconditionally. Now, I want you to watch. The only way this throne works in Hebrews, you can't approach this throne upon what you do. You've got to approach the throne knowing you're coming under an unconditional covenant. Watch how Brother Brown put this. Not I will. I already have done it. Listen, not I will. I will means I will if you do. I will if you do. But it's not I will if you do. I've already done it. Let me keep going. And that's the law that the Christian must live by. It's not what we do ourselves, but what he has done for us. Christ has already been sacrificed. Not he will be. He already has been. It's a finished Product. You see what he said at Calvary is finished? He was trying to say one thing. What you need in order to make this journey has already been paid in full. You say, Brother Mike, this is simple. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. And I know I'm going to tell you why it's simple. I realize I've been getting maybe a little too deep in this gospel. Now, I was listening to a testimony from the prophet. And Brother Bam made a statement. He said, if you really want to see the power of the gospel have effect upon the people, he said, make it as simple as you can. He said the simple gospel is what reaches the hungry heart. I don't want to reach the educated mind. My desire is to reach every hungry heart. Every heart that's longing for more Christ, I want to be able to bring them into the reality of exactly how to enter into that. And until we can see that clean cut break between those two things, there'll always be this little thing that... Beats a man down when he's trying to go a little bit higher. And if he could ever see that Christ has died to set you free, he that believed in that is free indeed. Let me keep going. Brother Brown is a finished product. Look at the message Faith, 1956. And Abraham took him and put him to sleep. And Abraham, excuse me, God took him and put him to sleep. Now showing, Abraham, I'm going to take you out of the picture. There's nothing you can do about it. I'm going to do it myself. I just want to seek a little bit. This throne of grace and mercy is not based upon what we do, what he's already done himself. I'm going to show you how I'm going to do it, Abraham. The message handwriting on the wall. Last quote. These two ladies at the altar. Do you realize now, ladies? That Jesus Christ saved you from sin? What do you have to do? Now, I'm trying to show you. He's trying to make sure these ladies start out right. They don't even have the Holy Ghost. But he wants to make sure they start their Christian journey right. Maybe some of you little kids got 
the younger people maybe that hadn't accepted Christ as something been dealing with your heart. If God leads you to this altar, I want you to remember this, what I'm about to read to you. I want you to start your journey right. Watch what he says. He says, and you two ladies at the altar, do you realize now, ladies, that Jesus Christ saves you from your sin? What do you have to do? Nothing. That's a lot different than a lot of people out here. Start out right. Well, what do I got to do to be a Christian? Nothing. Believe. Believe. Listen. He has done it for you. The only thing you have to do is accept what he's already done for you. Accept it. And then you're a candidate to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We start out accepting my salvation is not going to grow. It's a finished work at Calvary. And once I can receive that grace and know that I'm what I am, not because of what I can do, I'm what I am because of what he's done, now I can press on for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. No, it is not my works, but my faith in him is what brings that baptism to pass. But a lot of people get in their mind, oh, I'm not worthy. And guess what? We're not. But your revelation is he's worthy. Let me finish. Accept it, and then you're a candidate to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. God promised he'll fill you with the Holy Ghost. Those who come. You might say, I'm a believer. or receive Christ. That's true. But remember, when Paul wrote that scripture, he was talking to those who already had a profession. He was reminding them to understand the magnitude of this throne of grace. We're not under law, church. When you come to Christ, make sure you got one thing selling your mind. He's paid my price in full. Then what do I do, Brother Mike? Brother Bam said, you live a simple Christian life and you love him. I'm going to say it again. You live a, he said, don't try to make yourself nothing that you're not. He said, you'll only make the sores worse. Live a simple Christian life and love him. And what he wants you to know, he'll reveal it to you. Isn't that lovely? Doesn't that put the believer in rest knowing that the same one that started the good work, he's going to make sure that it's finished? Are you following me? Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your grace tonight. I want to thank you for the finished work of Calvary. And I want to thank you for the work you've done in my life and the work life of each one of these people standing sitting before me. Lord, we all have our struggles in life. But the Christian life was not meant to be our struggle. Though it's burdensome at times. Though it could seem heavy. But you gave us a promise. You said, your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Because we were told that we can cast all of our cares upon you. But Satan tries to make us shoulder these things try to fix our own problems, try to lick our own spots, try to make ourselves a better person. But Lord, you said that wasn't never your intention for the Christian experience. It was only to believe from start to finish. Every work of grace is by faith. Every head bowed. Lord, I'm asking tonight. I don't know whether or not the point was made clear enough. 
And Lord, if I put anything out of order, forgive me. I try to present it the way that you gave it to me. Lord, I pray tonight, if there's any on the sound of my voice that don't know that rest, they're still struggling, still trying to make perfection the work of the flesh, instead of having their hearts so clean by the revelation that the work is finished, that they can enter into that eternal rest. Lord, I pray you deal with their heart tonight. May what I said here tonight become a revelation down in their soul. Lord, that they might live here, leave here tonight, Lord, free from any fear and doubt of condemnation. Lord, grant it, Father, as I commit them unto you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Musicians will come. And I say that if any desire prayer for anything, I'd be glad to offer a word of prayer with you. So give us a song. Oh. 
for such a good minister and such a good sermon this evening that uh, was much needed. So just as uh, we go this evening, we won't hold you any longer uh, with it being Wednesday night, but just sing this as you go this evening and you're dismissed. Oh, grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within all grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sins. Fight and 